it is a historical account. Because today we need to remember, because we live in such a post-Christian society and era, and many times the church was more a museum than really an army camp for God. And that people say that it's a nice story. No, it's not a nice story. It is a historical account of what God has done. And we need to understand the Jewish background of Christianity. Because also, I talked also today, we have it at the moment from Birmingham City Mission, uh, Easter Mission in Castle Vale, with a Baptist church, like a church plant, where they meet in the school and want to reach out. In the area of Castle Vale, I was shocked, is nearly 20,000 people live in this area. It's like a little town in Birmingham, really. I was quite so secluded and really a community spirit there. And where the Sainsbury is, there is not the retail park with the shops. And it's like really the hop, the community area. And where we did this week then had a book table with a banner on, Jesus Christ is Lord. Where we went to the doors, talking with people on the doors, giving out leaflets, praying with people when people wanted to, some, and then did a questionnaire also. And I was also quite amazed of the ignorance. And for the basic question, do you believe in God? Questions, who do you think Jesus Christ is? Do you believe there's life after death? Where will you spend eternity when you die? And all the basic questions, but that really opened up then a conversation where many people are, do you believe in the devil? And most people say no. Huh? And some young people which are into this kind of witchcraft and this kind of, they believed in it, but in a positive way, in their mind. And then I showed them that the devil is a deceiver and a liar. And in the same way, we as Christians need to understand, first, that the Bible is a Jewish book. It was written by 40 different Jews, over time period of 1,600 years. And every person except Luke was Jewish, which have written down this book because he was a Greek. And we need to remember that the main theme in the whole Bible is always around the nation of Israel, around the land of Israel, and around Jerusalem. And that is all focusing <coughs> But we can see also, because God wanted to use the Jewish people as a light to the Gentiles. And because there are 2,000 years time period to do this, and miserably failed in a sense where they said, we keep it for ourselves. And the same thing we can see that the church nearly for 2,000 years had this wonderful privilege to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, who many times kept it for themselves and didn't share it with the Muslim world, with the Jewish people. And the sad thing is severely persecuted the Jewish people many times in history. But it's a very sad thing that the people which God have used to bring the word of God in was later hated by the body of Christ or by the church. We know many times it was the fake church, the nominal church, Catholic church. 
And I know how it is because I was Roman Catholic and became a Christian. And I can see, but look from outside, so same when you ask people. And where is a masterpiece of the devil, really, when you think about it, because it looks so Christian, but it's so far away from biblical Christianity. Because like with the Jewish people today, that the tradition have nullified the word of God. And the same thing when we met also today, one Jewish person, huh? and I talked with them and said, when you chuck all your tradition in the bin and go back to the pure word of God, you can't escape that Jesus is the Messiah and that Passover is fulfilled in Jesus the Messiah. And we see also today here, John is so kind, he collected and he had a really love for the Jewish people, collected all the things which really point to the Messiah. And it's so crystal clear when you see what scripture said about the Messiah in the Old Testament, and we have the privilege to look back and see it not much clearer. And we read this, on one side, this sad scripture where we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, but their mind were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is only taken away in Christ. And that is also today, the Jewish people, they read the Old Testament. They believe it's the word of God. But there is a spiritual veil over their eyes. And we read the reason was first because they rejected the Messiah and then said, his blood will be on us. And when Jesus went to the cross, he said, and later, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who is coming in the name of the Lord. Then the veil will be taken. But still we see through history, always were a remnant of Jewish believers because the early church was Jewish. The early church in Jerusalem was only Jewish, only later when more and more Gentiles became believers that they moved away from the Jewish roots and embraced more Greek thinking and perverted the gospel in some areas. And that we need to understand. And we know that in 1948 was really where the Holy Spirit, when he brought the Jewish people back to their homeland, that God took all the blindness really from the church away to go back to a literal interpretation of the word of God. Because anyone who reject the Jewishness of Christianity and God's divine purpose for Israel is a person which wants to spiritualize the word of God and take away the, the power out of scripture that the church replaced Israel. But that is a lie of the devil. That is a deception where the Bible is very clear that God has a divine purpose in the future for the Jewish people. And we live in this amazing time window where we see that the Holy Spirit is taking away the blindness in the church. And there's one scripture in the whole Bible where God said the last generation prior to his return 
will have spiritual knowledge but previous generations didn't have. And that is Daniel 12 verse 4. It's one of the key scriptures in Bible prophecy to understand what God says. It's not, that means not that the previous generations were stupid or were not spiritually. They were very spiritual people like Martin Luther, John Knox, Calvin, great men of God, but they were completely a bliss to God's divine purpose and many times kept Christian anti-Semitism from the Catholic Church. What is a very sad thing with Luther, that he did so many great things. But the Bible said in Daniel 12, verse 4, but you, Daniel, shut up the words in sealed book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge will increase. He said, God have put a lock on it and you will not understand it until you're in the last generation, in the time of the end. And that's very important. In the same way, in the Old Testament, there was a lock on the Jewish people's mind about the church. There were prophecies in Isaiah, Jeremiah, about the Gentiles' will believe and come to worship the Messiah about the millennium and all this kind of thing. There was a spiritual blindness and not really understood the church which was hidden in the Old Testament, the prophecies, the information. And that was later first on the day of Pentecost when really Peter received this divine revelation and was preaching about Joel that God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. And then the divine revelation was unlocked, taken away, when he gave the clear understanding that Jews and Gentiles are one in Christ Jesus. And that was a struggle for many Jews. And we can see it when Peter, and later Paul needed to rebuke Peter, when he was later a hypocrite and moved away from the Gentiles when Judaizer came. Because it such, was such a fear that we can't eat together with the non-Jewish people, and this kind of thing. And Paul needed to put him in place and say, you're not saved by keeping the law, by different rules and regulations. You're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And that there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile. And that we need to really to understand. And that is the reason why Good Friday we can call it Good Friday because Good Friday is a day when the sin was not only covered up, like in the Old Testament, but that the sin was taken away. Because for 2,000 years nearly, the sin was covered up every year on Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement. The high priest was allowed to go in the most holy place to bring the blood for himself and for the nation before God to cover up the sin for one year. That was a reminder that salvation was not accomplished, that the Lamb of God is not yet here. And that is the reason that when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, he received this divine revelation from God and said, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
that was a climax of this time period. And now we as Christians have to look back to this day where Jesus crushed the serpent's head because in Genesis 3.15, God gave the first Christ promises. The first promises that the Messiah will come and crush the serpent's head, which is Satan. He will stick him in his heel. That means Jesus will die. And Satan thinks first, wow, the victory is mine now. I have defeated God. And then after three days, Jesus rose again when Satan was thrown out of heaven. When Satan has no access in heaven now, he can't accuse us anymore. He has no access in heaven, but the Bible said he's still a defeated foe which can blind the eyes of the unbeliever. And that is what we read in 2 Corinthians 4. Where the Bible said that Satan had blinded the eyes of the unbeliever, deceived them in many different ways. And that only the gospel of Jesus Christ can take away this blindness. Because the Bible makes it clear that Jesus died for every single person in this world. He died on the cross for every single person. But the Bible said the condition is that they have to believe, put their trust in Christ. And faith means leaning on God's promises. You see, you can only lean on this and claim God's promises when you know them. That's the reason why the devil tried to destroy the Bible. You see, when he can destroy the Bible, when you can see that he can't destroy the word of God, that he tried to confuse the word of God with all these crazy, new, watered-down translations where many times then the blood of Jesus is taken out, where the deity of Jesus is taken out, where they use some language, like in the message, when Jesus tempted, beat it, where they have all this kind of funny ideas to water down the word of God and you lose the meaning of the text. That's really my personal opinion is always stick with the King James or New King James, which have more an original background for the Greek and Hebrew. Like in Germany, you have the Lutheran Bible, which have a very clear translation from the Greek and the Hebrew text. And that was a miracle what Luther did in 10 months. I mean, most people can't read it in 10 months. And he translated it. It's incredible. But it was a supernatural thing where God gave him the ability which we can't really understand how God did it. And this text really shows us what was the main reason. The religious leaders were jealous of Jesus. They were jealous of Jesus because they were afraid that the Romans will take away their position, their coziness. And that's the same today. I mean, same, the, the same things today when you see in a lot of established churches. Most, most of the priests that are Ministers don't believe in the Bible in the first place. I mean, I know when I became a Christian, I was a Catholic, when I went in our local Lutheran church, and then I had a chat later with the priest, or with the pastor, really. And he told me, you're not so naive to believe that the Bible is God's word. And I asked him, what is he doing in the first place in the church? But that is a fact. Sometimes they're not so straightforward. But that is a fact where you have a lot of people today 
in the church in positions where they shouldn't be in, when they don't believe in the Bible. Because the key is, the only perfect thing in this world is the Bible. The only thing in this world which have no error, where we say is old proficient, is inerrant, is the word of God. Because when you have one mistake, where some mistakes in the Bible, you can't trust the Bible. And it's very important because God will watch over his word. And God will protect it. And we have the responsibility to read it and to study it. And the Bible says that in the last days will be an increase of knowledge. That means divine, supernatural revelation. But you will only get it when you spend time in quietness before God and when you read it. You see, because today you have a lot of Christians that they listen to different sermons, all these kind of things, but they never read the word of God. You see, and the seed of salvation is the word of God. That's what Peter said. You see, you can't be a Christian or not reading the word of God. Because you can, in the same way, you can't be a human being and never eat. Yeah. That's later a point of starvation. And when you're truly born again, Peter said, we are hungry for the milk of the word of God. We're longing for the word of God. In the same way when people say, do I need to go to church? And I said, when you're saved, you would never ask the question, do I need? So you would say, I want to go to church. I want to meet God. I want to meet, meet Christians where I can check, talk with, where I can challenge myself. And I want to see the presence of God. And God promised that he specifically manifest his presence in the church. Where two or three together in my name. Because God has created us for fellowship and we can learn from each other. And that's very important. And this text especially show the miracles of God. That's the reason why later the soldiers say, surely this man is the son of God. When there were six miracles which were happening and the seven miracles will happen soon. And the first one is the miracle of darkness. That is done in Luke 23, 44 to 45. That was suddenly, like in the time of Egypt, came darkness over the land, the whole land of Israel, the Bible said. And you know, in Egypt was whole of Egypt except Goshen, where God's people were. And the same thing was in this time that this soldier saw the darkness which came over the land. The second miracle was a tearing of the curtain in Matthew 27, 51. That was also a miracle because the curtain was not torn from the bottom to the top, from the top to the bottom. When there were thick curtain, was one piece. It was impossible really to tear it. That was the hand of God which did it. The third miracle was the miraculous earthquake. It's also in 2751. That was such a mighty earthquake, which will also later be at the end of the tribulation, will be such a mighty earthquake that the Mount of Olives will split in two. And then the tombs broke often, open. And that is in Matthew 27, 52. Can you imagine you, you sit there or stand there and 
as a soldier und auf einmal suddenly the grave go open und people coming out of the grave and walking through the city. Yeah. Man, it's beyond comprehension. Yeah. It's scary. Huh? Yeah. It's like a horror movie. But they are coming, climbing out of the grave, out of the mud. And that is what the Bible said. And these people died again. The meaning is that they were resurrected like Lazarus, but they still died again as a normal human death. Then the next one was the undisturbed grave clothes of Christ in the grave. And that is here in John 20, verse 6 to 8. And then the revivals of life in the Calvary graveyard. That was when they rose up and they walked into the holy city. And people saw them. Oh, that's John. He died 10 years ago. <laughs> Or maybe James. You see, that, that is reality. Can you imagine your, your mate 10 years ago died? You was on his funeral. And then suddenly you go through the town. And suddenly this person passed by and said, Hi, how are you? Oh, it's, you can't imagine. But that was happening. And people were shocked. And I can't imagine that people were amazed and then really said, truly, this man was the son of God. But on the other hand was all the people which had willingly hardened their heart because they were more important, for them were more important their position, their coziness, their own understanding about God than what the scripture said. Because we need to remember that scripture gave 365 precise prophecies in 4,000 years about the first coming of Jesus. And they're so precise against all odd. No one can manipulate them. You can't decide where you're born, Bethlehem. You can't decide where you live really later, Nazareth, because of circumstances. You can't decide how you die. They will pierce my hand and my feet when crucifixion was not invented. Or that later, and through this you can see that he is the promised Messiah for Jewish people when I talk with them. Because we know 40 years later the temple was destroyed. It was impossible for Jewish people to carry on their Jewish belief without the temple. <coughs> and that is the reason why they started on the Midrash, where they, like the Catholics, have done the Catechism, where they later make it a bloodless sacrifice, where they took away the meaning and the word of God from the people. It's the same like when any Jewish person, you talk with them about Passover, how things went, and what the meaning of it is. Every Jewish person, when he, he take away the tradition and go to the pure word of God, you can lead them to the word of God, to the Lord. That's the reason I can go in the synagogue and be tremendously blessed when they read the word of God. Because I know the fulfillment in the scripture. I know who he is. And I had also talked with a Muslim guy. He said, Jews and Christians worship the same God. But Muslims worship a completely different God. When I showed him, said, we have word by word the same text in the Old Testament. We have the same God that is a personal God, not an unknown God, like Islam. I said, we have 
a God of his character and his nature is the same. Where God said God is spirit, the Quran would say God is no spirit. Although through this, we can show that it's absolutely a fallacy to say that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. That is absolutely nonsense. Said we can love each other, we can agree with each other about how we want to please God, but don't insult my intelligence that we worship a different God. Because you need to remember that the Bible said that God is a jealous God. He will not share his honor with any pagan idol. And the Bible said there's only one way to be saved, and that is through the blood of the Lamb. And in the Old Testament was a picture of the coming of the Messiah. In the Old New Testament, we look back to the same, to the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb of God. But the sad thing is most churches preach today about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but they don't carry on to say that he's coming again. They live in the past, and it's an old, boring story for them. But we as Christians believe, because when we read the Lord's Supper, and you know and I know, by the Lord's Supper, we always say later, in verse 26 in 1 Corinthians 11, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The Lord's Supper will be finished when Christ comes. And we today live in the time window of the Lord's return without a shadow of a doubt. We see the signs are now all falling into place where we have a convergence of signs. Before, you need to look, there was my one sign, there was my one sign, and that one was the first sign which needed to be in place before Jesus can come back was the rebirth of Israel in 48. Jesus wouldn't be able to come back until the Jewish people are back in their homeland. That's clear in scripture. The second sign that needed to be in place was that Jerusalem is in Jewish hands. Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles finish and whole Israel will be saved. That means 67 was the time window where Jerusalem came back in Jewish hands after two and a half thousand years. Because from the Babylonian captivity until 1967, all foreign powers controlled the nation of Israel. They had some freedom between, but they were always under rulership of foreign countries, of Gentiles. And then the Bible said, the next thing was in 92 when we had the Israel law, that Israel belongs only to Jews because they were afraid of the demographic changes with the Palestinians. And through this, we can see it becomes more and more things falling together than other sign was which goes alongside is Ezekiel 38, 39, the Russian Islamic invasion into Israel, 
The Bible said three nations will be on the mountains of Israel. And the mountains of Israel is, is in Syria. It's a site which is next to Israel. And three nations need to be there. Russia, Iran, and Turkey. And these three nations are the most unlikely bedfellow because Russia is communist, Iran is Shiite, and Turkey is Sunni. And the Sunnis and the Shiites were for 1,500 years in war with each other and condemn each other that they're not Muslims. In the same way like Catholics and Protestants, it's only much worse, much worse. And Russia is anywhere for them out of question because they don't believe in God in the first place. And God said in the last generation, prior to the return of Jesus, these three nations will position themselves on the border of Israel. Not in any country which is around Israel, but specifically Syria. And we know today there is a cell date because they can't stay forever there. There's only a time period until the international community would say, you have to move out, give them their freedom. And we, need, and we can see, and the nations which not mentioned, like Libya later, Sudan, they also now making alliance with Russia and supporting against the West. Because first, Sudan made a peace treaty with Israel. But then, suddenly, the fellow in Sudan, they want to take him to the human rights courts, that he asked Russia to protect him. And that is the reason why he swinged always now to be on the side of Russia. Then, before, before Biden came, was Donald Trump. He made the peace accord, the Abrams Accord. And it was necessary for this kind of things to happen because when the invasion is the nations which will demonstrate against it is Saudi Arabia and the Gulf states and the Gulf states in Saudi Arabia made a peace treaty with Israel because they're terrified about Iran and through this you can see the pieces are falling into place and we need to look back yes Jesus came to die for our sins that he rose again and that he paid the penalty for our sin, what is the foundation of Christianity. But the story carry on, and that is the consummation of all things, is that the Messiah will come back. You see, most Christians think life carry on as always. And they're ticking along. There is and do preach the gospel and all this, people need to be saved. But they have no clue what the Bible said about the latter days. They have no clue that there will be a literal, physical return of Jesus Christ to this earth, that he will establish a thousand-year kingdom. But we know that before this happening, the Bible calls there is a rapture. That's a Latin word because it's not in our Bible, but it is caught up, snatched away, where we meet the Lord in the air. But only born-again Christians will be snatched up, not nominal Christians. Because millions of Christians which go every week to church, they will not realize that, <clears throat> that we're gone probably because Christianity is a very small group at the moment. 
And we need to realize we are now in this time window. And can you give everyone jetzt this leaflet here on the front? And I have written on him, uh, it's like a letter, when, which you can maybe, I put it at home on the wall in my place, when you're gone by the rapture, that loved ones or friends know where you're gone. You will not come back. <clears throat> and the Bible said very clearly that we have a responsibility to let people know what the Bible said. Because people are very open when you talk with them about the future. Because everyone wants to know the future. That's the reason why they go to a fortune teller or the other people. When we can tell them the future, what the Bible said. We can tell them what is happening in the world. We can tell them that when you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you can know where you will spend eternity, what we call eternal security. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. That's what the Bible said. And one great man, which I also, a missionary, C.T. Studd, he said, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. When he was a, a cricket player, rich person, when he gave all his wealth to the Lord's work, And then he became a missionary and shared the gospel. And there are many other people. And that the main thing what God used to transform the church and transform the world is prayer. That's the reason why Jesus said, apart from me, you can't do anything. And I have also a good quote from a brother. He said, the greatest thing anyone can do for God and for men to pray. It is not the only thing, but the chief thing. If a correct balance of the possible powers one may expert puts it first. For if man is to pray right, he must first be right in his motives and life. And if a man be right and put the practice of prayer in its right place, then the serving and giving and speaking will be fairly fragrant with the presence of God. And I think that is very important that we, because you see, there is a martyr and a Mary in every church. And you know the story. One, when Jesus came to Lazarus, he had two sisters, Martha and Mary. And one was sitting at the Lord's feet And one was busy cooking a meal. And we normally, in our natural way, would say, Martha was better because she really had a concern for Jesus. He was maybe hungry, make a nice meal, and her hobby was maybe cooking. But the reality was that Jesus later said that Mary have chosen the better thing. And prayer is the hardest work of all. And in the same way, when we go sometimes to do evangelism and then later follow up work and visiting people, then especially when they're African families, they are amazing. Huh? They're lovely people, but then they put you in the, in the living room, give you a tea, and then for the next 45 minutes, they don't turn up. You sit alone in the room. 
Und dann der Cooking. Und dann you wait and you become really, you're sweating schon, how do I do all the work today? Und you look at your clock and no one is there. Und you can't reach them and you don't want to be rude and open the door and walk around the door. How is to find them? Und dann later they bring a massive plate full of food. Und dann you'll be so full and you become tired. Eh? Yeah, but that is, and that is where really Martha and Mary is. And I think sometimes we as a church, that the, we are more in machinery, doing all things. We have great facilities in the church. We do all the activities, but the spirit of prayer is not there. You see that we have a prayer meeting. We're talking three quarters of the time with each other. <coughs> we don't pray. We should prayer put it now at the forefront. Because the reality is we live in a post-Christian era. We see from 2000 on, really the gates of hell are open. Where people not identify themselves today as Christians most of the time. Or when I ask, most people ask, are you Christian? They said no. Most people wouldn't identify themselves with Christianity anymore. And that, that is a change, especially in the last 10 years. And we believe that we can only this pull down this demonic stronghold over their mind, maybe through TV, especially through evolution, through the education system, but also through all the satanic stuff what people take in through movies, Netflix, whatever it is, is where we need more divine power. Because this man, when he said later, truly, this is the son of God, because he saw the power of God. He saw these miracles, the six. And we know that the last main miracles we were waiting for is the rapture of the church. It's a, that's an amazing miracle when millions of people of them are snatched from this earth in a twinkling of an eye. That is a miracle that will never happen again. That will only happen once in the lifetime. When the question is for us, are we prepared in our heart to meet the Lord face to face? Because the Bible said Jesus paid for our sin and we stand perfect before God. But the Bible said also on the judgment seat of Christ, we need to give an account how we lift out our life. We will receive reward how we will reign with Christ for a thousand years. Although not every Christian is the same. When you was a lazy Christian, an underground Christian, which only popped up maybe on Sunday morning, on the whole, work, whole week, your work colleagues, your neighbors, never knew that you was a Christian, you will not get the same reward than a person which invested his time, his money, his abilities into the kingdom of God. Jesus said clearly that we will later to give an account of our life when there will be tears. There will be regrets, opportunities which were missed. But God is a God of grace. He said when we confess our sins before him, he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That be not, that's a cop-out, that we can every time new live our own life and then think, go and repent and confess our sin. Because I need to be a change of heart, a transformation. That is what the Bible makes very clear. And another quote which I like not to give before we finish, because the time goes, is about God's will for your life. To know God's will 
is man's greatest treasure. To do his will is life's greatest privilege. To know the will of God is the greatest knowledge. And to do the will of God is the greatest achievement. And the question is, do you know the will of God for your life? When you don't, read Romans 12. Romans 12 gives you a clear understanding that God gives you 100% the divine revelation what the will of God is for your life. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Because we don't follow reason, we follow revelation. The meaning is when you give your life as a living sacrifice to God, when you are faithful in your quiet time to read God's word, spend time, but I believe an hour is the right time to have with God. They say, well, Jesus, can you not wait, watch with me one hour? That is all where we take in the Garden of Gethsemane. When you take one hour a day, because you have 24 hours, sleep one hour less. And then, and then you take this hour and seek God's face. It's not, although not the length of the time or the quality of the time, but when you take an hour maybe to read God's word, then meditate what you read, And then asked, Holy Spirit, give me a divine revelation. What is your will for my life? Lead me and guide me. And there are many scriptures in the Old Testament and New Testament, which clearly says that God will reveal to us his will. It's the same in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 is the same scripture, what you can read, where God said, don't be drunk with wine, but... Be aware or concerned what the will of God is in your life. It's in Ephesians 5. Let me see here. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of God is in your life. We can know the will of God. You see, how can I do the will of God when I don't know what it is? But sometimes we need to wait for a divine revelation. <coughs> And we live today in the age of the Holy Spirit. Because the Father is in heaven, the Son came to bring redemption, and he is sitting at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. And that the Holy Spirit is now God, the Holy Spirit, which dwell in believers. And the Holy Spirit want to glorify Jesus, want to reveal to us what we need to know. Because Jesus said, when I'm gone, the Holy Spirit will remind you on all things what I told you. And we know that the work of the Holy Spirit is the word of God. Because the Holy Spirit inspired the people which have written down the word of God. The Holy Spirit protect the word of God, that no one can change the word of God. And the Holy Spirit will use the printed word in this book to illuminate our mind to give us an understanding what really the Word of God says. And the question for us today is, 
Are we ready when Jesus would come today? Are we longing for his return? Because you get a crown. When you every day long for his return, the Bible said you get a crown. And the question is, is the rapture the blessed hope for you? Or are you worried when Jesus would come now that you would not be with him because you're not saved? Or that you lived an under-Christian life, underground Christian life, that you only pop up sometimes, but that people don't know around you that you're a Christian, that you're ashamed about Jesus, because you have a lot of Christians which are ashamed about their belief. They say it's personal. But when you love someone, you see, when you, would, when you court with a woman or with a man or you want to marry him, You don't keep it as a secret and keep her in the cupboard. Huh? You want to take her out. You want to show people, that's my wife. I'm in love. And in the same way, when we really, the Bible said here, yeah, like the psalmist said, whom have I in heaven but you? Or none on earth I desire besides you. Are you really in love with Jesus? Or is it only habit? Boring now? You lost the fire? Because Jesus said to the church in Laodicea, they were really on the ball in keeping a sound doctrine, testing people about biblical teaching, and rejected a lot of bad things which wanted to come into the church. But Jesus said, one thing I have against you, that you have lost your first love. And the question is, did you lose your first love? Or are you excited every day new about Jesus? Are you longing to tell people about Jesus? That is the question. Because when, you, when people see that you're in love with Jesus, they want to know what this is. They think maybe you're crazy in the beginning. But then later they say, wow, and that is true. Well, many times people say, I never knew this. Huh? I, mean, I went for 23 years to church and never knew the gospel. Never heard it once. You see? And I had also one Roman Catholics yesterday when they said to someone, when I said to them, Are you Christians? They said, No, we're not Christians, we're Catholics. And they said, What's the difference? <laughs> and then, when we had a conversation, when I said, You're right, um, it's quite refreshing, I said to them. Because I tell Christians many times that Catholics are not Christian, they don't believe me. Maybe you tell them. And I said, you need to be saved. And then we had a conversation, said, how long you need to be in purgatory to go to heaven? And all this kind of things. And then showed them that there is no hope in the Catholic Church. There's only hope in Jesus Christ. We need to have a relationship, not a religion. We need to be born again by the Spirit of God. We need to be transformed. And I tell you, Invest whatever you have now into the kingdom of God. Time is running out. And soon you will lose your money anyway. Because soon we get the electronic money. You see? And that is, is, it's an incredible one. When you see later from Olive Tree Ministry, they have done it's a special one yet on the cashless society. And show where only it's the last months Joe Biden and all the Boris Johnson said that they want to get rid of, of paper money, huh? They want to get electronic money and they can switch you off on one minute to the next minute. 
Und wenn your treasure is not in Christ, you see, the Bible said, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all other things will be given to us. Or in Philippians we read, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And I believe we are in front of very tough days when the Lord is not taking us soon out. And the question for you today is, are you born again? Are you on fire for the Lord? Do you really can say, like the psalmist, whom have I in heaven but you? Or none on earth I desire besides you? Or do you have one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom of God? Because then you're a misery, misery Christian. Because you can't be happy in the world as Christian. Because the nature of God is in our heart. Let's pray. <coughs> Father in heaven, we thank you so much that we can look back on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But Father, we know that the story is not finished then, that we can look forward, that you are coming very soon back and that you will take us home to the Father's house. And Father in heaven, we want also today say, forgive us when we was lukewarm, forgive us when other things have clouded our mind. And Father, we pray that Jesus, maybe over this Easter time, You help us to reflect on areas in our life which need to be renewed, that our first love to you will be new, will be new that we have put you first in every area of our life. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can give this in your hand. And we pray for this in the precious name of Jesus.